Hi, I'm Brent Morrison from Lush Cannabis Company, and you're listening to the SME Stories Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having the show. We got a great episode today with Brent Morrison. Now, Brent Morrison is the owner and founder of Lush Cannabis Co. Lush Cannabis Co. is a biologically minded Canadian organic cannabis company. Now, a little bit about Brent. Originally from Coburg, Ontario, he currently lives in Peterborough. He graduated from Western University with a BA in History and Philosophy and a Bachelor of Education. He later graduated from Trent University with honors in Bachelor of Science, specifically talking about cognitive psychology. In between those degrees, he decided to also spend time teaching in South Korea and then returned to write course books for Oxford seminars before he decided to go back to school. Now, the goal was to actually pursue a PhD at uh, UBC and graduate from Trent, but he decided to change his mind and decided to go to physiotherapy. Now, he didn't get in on his first application, so he decided to take a year off to travel throughout Southeast Asia, the Middle East, and Europe before returning home and reapplying. Then, while on the waiting list for Queen's University, he was offered an opportunity to help open a Medicine Wheel Natural Healing, the second Indigenous cannabis dispensary in Canada, a year before cannabis was legalized. This was his, the beginning for his journey in the cannabis field, and later turned an ex, he turned down his acceptance to Queen's University to pursue work in the cannabis industry. Now, he left the Medicinal Wheel back in 2020 and began working on opening up his own shop, which we did back in 2022, and a second store opening up in February 2023. So this is going to be a very interesting show today, guys. We're going to be going into the cannabis space, which I don't think any we've done before, and I'm looking forward to hearing some of the stories that Brent has, so sit back and absorb. But let's just go back to now just the industry in general. So what is your take on the current cannabis industry right now, and where do you think it's going? Um. So I, I on... First of all, I want to say, like, I'm very happy that it's been legalized. It's it's ridiculous to think that people were imprisoned for a plant that can't kill you. Um, it's not. So kudos to uh, whatever you think of Justin Trudeau. Um, and I've heard the full gamut <laughs> of things about him. Uh, but, like, I'll give him this one, man. Like, you know, uh, well done. Um, so it's great. Um, and I do understand when you when you do something like this, a new industry, even, even with a background in teaching, um, you have to start strict. And then you can relax a bit because if you start relaxed, there's no way to tighten back up. So the regulations were really, really strict. And now we're starting to see them. Okay, well, we can relax a little bit here and there. Um, it's getting a little easier. You know, some of the some of the challenges are in Ontario, all cannabis is goes through the OCS, the Ontario Cannabis Store. Um, so if you're a producer, you grow your flower, you apply to the OCS to, to get a SKU for them to list it. And then all the stores can purchase that from you. So all of the stores buy from the same wholesale catalog at the same price. It's hard to differentiate yourself when that's the case. You know, we might get like some amazing flour. Well, as soon as we start to sell it, everybody's going to buy it. Um, so it's that's that's a big challenge. And then adding to it, um, the OCS also offers like you can buy from them on a retail level. So our sole distributor is also our competitor. And that's. I understand when it started, they wanted to make sure all Ontarians had access to cannabis. And since there wouldn't be stores everywhere right away, they would be they would deliver. That's fine, but that needs to wind down. I was going to say, I'm like, you're the 17th there. store in, in Peterborough. And I'm like, and OCS is still selling? Yeah, everyone has access. It's like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. No, I don't. And like we've had, you know, I've had uh, communication with our, our OCS rep. Like there was a time back in the spring, um, we got a product in and then it went on sale on the retail side of the OCS for less than we paid wholesale. Ooh. 
And I was like, what, what are you doing? You can't do this. Like, well, we just need to blow it out. I'm like, but we have to buy it from you and I can't sell it that cheap. So what, what are you doing? You're, you're crippling the industry that you've built. Um, so yeah, little things like that just really can't, can't happen. Um, so it'd be nice to see them step outside. And what I would like to see, we're beginning to see it. There's a, a side channel, not a side channel. That sounds shady. <laughs> um, uh, there's the, the flow through program is what it's called. So it's for retailers. It's a wholesale channel that you still go through the OCS, but you're more buying direct from the producer rather than the OCS buying a skid of product, storing it in a warehouse and then distributing it. They're the go-between. So we'll order a flow item. It'll go to the producer and then they will ship it back through you. So it's a good way to get um, more products on the market that may not, you know, the, you have to have enough throughput to, to get a skew on the OCS, just like with the LCBO. If you're a winemaker and you want to sell your wine, you need to be able to produce like thousands of bottles of wine for the LCBO to list you. Um, same with same with the OCS. So businesses now can experiment with newer products or have like smaller, like more craft oriented stuff and get that out to market. So I'm hoping that continues to grow as, as a channel so we can have more direct relationships with the producers to get good small batch product on the market. Okay. Is there any other common misconceptions about the whole industry itself that uh, when you speak to people? Totally. Um, one is the understanding that like, you know, we select the products that we buy. So some people think that we're run by the government. We're not. They, they're they the they're the regulatory body and they do control the distribution. Um, but like it's produced by private people, uh, sold to the government and then sold back to, to private retailers. So the government's not directly involved in, in either of those things other than as a regulatory figure. Um, other things that people kind of have a misconception on, um, I think is is the margins that we operate under. They are very slim. Um, it's It's not... And this is a, a you know something for people to consider if you're looking to get into the industry as well, not just as a consumer. Um, it's not as profitable as as maybe you think or as maybe it should be because we have that the producer produces it, they sell it to the OCS, the OCS marks it up, so they're taking a cut as a middleman, and then they sell it to the store. There's all of the like excise taxes and all the different things along the way that bump that that wholesale price up. So when you go into a store and you see a half quarter, like 3.5 grams of cannabis for 40 some odd dollars or whatever. Um, it seems like a lot and it is, um, but understand the business has probably paid like 37 or $38 for that product that they're selling to you for 45 or 46. Um, so yeah, it's, that's something for people to understand. And also, I mean, this is perhaps self-serving. There are some, uh, retailers that have come in that are, um, heavily bankrolled and they are just selling at essentially cost um, with the intent of putting everyone out of business and then they can price freely at that point. Oh, like and to, wait I, it, to wait it I out almost? Like more. they give a, if a mom and pop wants to open like a gas yeah. station next to a, an SO or a Petro, you know, th th those ones can actually, if, they can drop their price a few cents just uh, and just wait them out. Cause... Exactly, exactly. And I know like there's, I won't name different companies, but I, I know one that I had a friend that went to like an investors, uh, they're looking for investment and literally their goal was $3 million that they intended to operate in the red until that money was gone in spaces where they could put everyone under, or that was their goal. Um, one, I think that's not a good way to live. Um, and it's, it's a word of caution to consumers who are seeking like, oh, well, this place sells it for $21 and this guy's got it for 26. Yeah, it probably costs like 1950 or $20 to buy it and by supporting that uh you know the ones that's just operating on those razor thin margins you're in the long run probably hurting 
the whole industry and and those prices are going to come back up because they they can't sustain at that level so if they if they win then they'll be your only choice in town and they can charge yeah, you want to have a good blend of competition right? you don't want like you said you don't want to be you know the 100th one out, out of the locations that are in this particular area you know because uh it's mm. kind of hard you want to find that sweet spot of like you don't want there to be a monopoly but you don't want there to be where you see on every single corner to the point where it's like well what differentiates them right because we're going to get to that part as well so uh, uh, one last question before we hit our mm. tips from the pro segment here so in your journey what has been your kind of your biggest failure but also your biggest success so far Ooh, that's an interesting one um all right let me think about that so biggest i'll try to think on the on the failure portion um i would say maybe um not necessarily a failure but a challenge i guess uh just um that kind of aspect of of the industry like like the all the all the regulations all the the costs involved um you know we had to raise capital to like to get the business going and all that um and it might have been a good idea to have more money. <laughs> Raise more capital. Um, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even even with opening our second store, I won't call it a failure at all. Um, you know, I think it'll be. It's in a good location, and uh, that area, especially in the summertime, is really busy, and I think it'll be great. Um, but you know, um, it's a it's a slog to get going in the early days in a saturated market. So uh, the from opening the doors to like. It's, you know, it being self-sustaining is going to take, take some time. Um, and I was aware of that, but maybe, uh, maybe underestimate a little bit of like how long that, that might take. Um, I'm anticipating by, you know, when we opened, I was hoping by March, which is by the way, very fast for any business to be self-sustaining after a couple of months. Um, but you know, now we're looking at like maybe May, which again, is still pretty good for most businesses. So I, I can't complain. Um, but just, you know the the level of competition out there is is it's fierce it was a lot, a lot yeah of no ex exactly it's our biggest success mm. oh yes yeah, so well good success honestly i i think it is the staff that we have the team that we put together um we our interview process mostly like i have questions about cannabis and and your history and your background it's mostly vibes um i want to know like do you fit with with our ethos with our, our outlook on things are you somebody that i could work with for eight hours a day um you know that that's a big thing like if <laughs> you might be all knowledgeable in the world and then if it's like man i'm, I'm annoyed 20 minutes into this interview i i probably not gonna hire you <laughs> um so you know that's a big thing and and just people that have um they have some interest in the growth of this field not just our business but but in cannabis in general um you know whether they use it or in whatever capacity like you got to love the plant and you have to understand you know the things it can do um and just come on board and, and let's go on this adventure together so like we're new you know been open for just over a year so anybody that comes and that works for us they're there from the ground up and and we're i know it's cliche for businesses to say we're like a family but like that's kind of how we treat it. And we've had people that have applied to, to work for us that they, they've said that to us, that they've heard that. So that, that's, that feels good. Um, even that right there, if you want to like summarize a feeling of success is that we have quite a few people that work at other cannabis stores applying to work for us. And I don't see our people applying to go work for other cannabis stores. You're so doing something right. something right. Excellent. Hey, you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. 
Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Now it's time for tips from the pro. All right, tips from the pro segment here. So these people who want to get into a similar space like yours. So like you, you talked about a little bit. So what other expenses do you see that uh, most people who are trying to get into the space probably don't know about? So the, the biggest thing is understanding how the, the application and license process works. So you'll apply for your retail operations license. Um, likely you'll, you'll want to use a consultant for that. So that's going to be anywhere from ten dollars to $20,000. Um, the license itself is $6,000 that you have to pay every couple of years. So bam, you're, you're pushing twenty five grand just, just to get your very first license. That's for you to be able to open the store, and that takes months to get that. Then you'll apply for your store authorization. In order to or, uh, apply for the retail store authorization, you already have to have a location and a lease. So you're signing probably a five-year commercial lease before you even apply to have a license to open a cannabis store. So be aware of that. There's risk. You might you might apply for a license and and for whatever reason you're denied. It could be uh, maybe you know didn't didn't look into it close enough it's too close to a school or there's there's some other reason why it can't be there but you're stuck with that lease um so you've got to have that in mind and that process again can take a couple of months so from beginning of application to opening the doors it's probably going to be at least a year that you're just money's going out and nothing's coming in um so you've got those expenses you know you're paying that lease for those six months or whatever while you're waiting on your on your license um your build out you got to get all that ready and then your initial stock order like you have to order there's no net 30 or anything like that like you order from the ocs it comes they take the money um and you're going to need 30 40 50 thousand dollars uh in stock to open with a, a reasonable number of SKUs. um so there's a lot of outlay of money well before you even have a chance to bring any in so just be, be and can you sell anything just online so for those who might think oh man i don't know could i maybe do uh, provide more, like an online operation is that even doable is that because my next question was gonna be more of like different niches within the cannabis space that maybe someone who, like you said might not have the 20 30 50k to start with but they do want to get involved in the is like is anything uh, that they can try in the beginning or not try anything they could, they could start with yeah, so you do have to have a, a storefront. Um, you have to have a, a brick and mortar location. You can do delivery. It has to be uh, an employee that delivers it. So it has to be a paid employee from your company. So you can't just ship it through Canada Post or, or Pure Later or something like that. Um, so, it, you know, you have that, but you do have that option. You could set up like a very small storefront with like limited, you know, visual appeal, whatever. So people, it's not meant for people to come in and you just do delivery. You could set something like that up. What I expect to see, given the saturation of the market, I think we will see in some markets um, a degree of specialization. So there's a lot of SKUs and there's a growing number of SKUs. And right now everybody carries everything because you want to be that one-stop shop. Uh, but I could see in the not so distant future, like a store that's dedicated to pre-rolls and they might have 300 different kinds of pre-rolls or a store that's dedicated to like, your shatters and, and all the concentrates. They might carry a little bit of the other products, but they could you could focus in if if you're in a big enough market where that's feasible. Um, I could definitely see that being uh, a, a path in that you know you could limit the scope of the products you you carry, specialize in something, and that could kind of reduce that barrier to entry and make you a destination for like oh wow they have all of yeah, this. Yeah, so thing. it's like you niche down and then you can start to generalize if you want in the future once you've developed you've built mm -hmm. up all that extra capital from let's say all the sales you're currently making. So that's not a bad one. Because I think some people like they might get overwhelmed with the idea of, you know, trying to offer everything, right? And so if you're serving everybody, yes. you're serving no one, right? So you want to try to narrow it down a bit. 
So, Agreed, so what, how do you educate yeah. your, how do you continue to stay on top of the cannabis industry? So if someone wants to get in or like, you know, they want to know, how can I understand more about the cannabis side of it? Where should I go? Do you have any websites or any memberships to market intelligence stuff that you use? What do you use? So, yeah, um, you know, there's, I, I read up quite a bit and this goes back to like medicine old days and I use some of the skills that I, I developed like in my, in my uh, degree in like cognitive neuroscience um, at Trent, you know, just reading scientific papers. So for myself, um, I'm, I'm very fluent in that, at that area. So that's, that's how I keep on top of things. Then there's a bunch of resources. The OCS uh, does have a learning portal for anybody who has, you have to have an OCS, you have to be a, a uh, retailer or whatever to have access to it but they have a fair bit of i'm actually impressed with the the quality of information coming from there um in terms of regulations there's health canada and the agco are the ones that you'll want to look into and learning about the plant uh i'll just i'll drop uh one name of a place called the trichome institute that's t-r-i-c-h-o-m-e institute they're based out of colorado and they're essentially we're like one of the first like sort of cannabis universities um and going back to like 2017 2018 2019 i watched a ton of videos and and followed them uh quite closely they give really good information about cannabis about the plant it's it's sometimes geared towards the the market in colorado so they might talk about like yeah. operating there but uh the the stuff you learn about the the plant and the products is is very valuable so that's something perfect all right and what is your best strategy on dealing with difficult well difficult clients i was gonna say also staff but i think you said your your family of staff has actually been pretty good so far but how do you generally deal with difficult people in general yeah in i will say um maybe it's just the nature of cannabis um we don't have that many difficult people we do have some but it's like I used to work at chapters and, you know, come Christmas time, even people buying books can be, can be <laughs> difficult. Um, but in, in the cannabis space, we don't have that much. The, the biggest things to watch for are like, you know, if somebody's intoxicated, just like going to the LCBO, you know, if you're, if you're drunk or whatever. Um, and we've had just a handful of people that have come in and maybe we didn't have what they wanted or, or whatever. And they've given some pushback. We're clearly upset by it. Um, so the main thing in any situation like that, if the customer comes in, regardless of the of what's going on like they're upset for a reason that is valid to them now you might think it's silly that they're that they're acting this way or whatever but you have to connect with them on their level at least try to get into the headspace of like why is this person upset about this thing um and then if you can come to some understanding of that and like kind of see it from their perspective that'll help you come up with a solution that that might be able to like de-escalate the situation hopefully resolve it in a way that's satisfactory to both parties uh, but at least maybe like step it down a bit like hey you know i understand where you're coming from i'm sorry that happened or i can't do anything about it or i can do something about it uh, whatever it is but you got to put yourself in the headspace so of the other my person. question then that are you allowed to like you mentioned the whole thing if someone's you know intoxicated or let's say they're actually really are you allowed to still sell your products to them or is there you know that whole in the bar thing right like the bartenders can cut you off at a specific limit mm -hmm. is that same thing in a retail uh, operations for cannabis Yes, yes. Uh, so in order to sell cannabis, you have to get your can sell, C-A-N-N-S-E-L-L, -L, which is essentially smart serve for, for weed. Um, so it's it's a lot of the same um, uh, education, I guess, on on intoxication and things like that, just like at a bar. So if somebody comes in and, and it doesn't have to be like they could be intoxicated on, yeah. on whatever, it doesn't have to be like, well, you know, they're drunk, but they're not hiding weed so they can buy some weed. Like, no, <laughs> you have to, you have to, you have to draw that line. So it is a bit of a judgment call. Like they, they give you some information in the course about um, how to detect that. Um, and you kind of have to like, you know, you don't want, you don't want to 
mistakenly label somebody as intoxicated and who knows maybe they have a neurological condition that causes them to slur their speech or something so you really need to you need to be aware of all the different things that can go into somebody behaving in a way that appears as though they're intoxicated uh, but certainly yeah you're you're legally uh responsible to not sell to someone right, who is perfect or underage of course. of course last question before we hit to the fun stuff yeah. the rapid fire round but so the last question is how do you balance your work life like any any business owner they're going to be working 80 hours a day almost 80 hours a week sorry and it's going to be crazy hours how do you find that balance try um in the in the early days when you first open you don't you don't get to make that call like uh you know for for the first two months i had every other sunday off and that was it um and then i added in wednesdays so it's not even a great weekend i get like every wednesday and every other sunday off but that's just what worked with the business flow um and then you know once we got on our feet we got some staff hired like making sure that one, if you are hiring people, you hire good, trustworthy people that you can step away and have a clear mind. It's really, really hard at first, and it takes a while to get that. Uh, but I had, I guess, you know, almost a year into the business, I went away um, uh, just after Christmas there, went to Toronto with some friends, uh, with Chris, um, and um, I didn't think about the store at all while I was away. I was like, I got home like that. That's good. And the store <laughs> still running. So that, that Even really better. gave me. And the store's still running. Yep. Didn't burn down. Everything's fine. I was like, oh, that that's good peace of mind. But you do have to you need to take that time for yourself, um, not just for your own like like stability and well-being and all of that. Uh, you know, those are the most important things. But also in terms of operating the business, you need to be able to step back and just decompress and stop focusing on dealing with immediate problems. And like, OK, now you can have more strategic view. You can just like, OK, what? Where do we want to go? What are we doing? And if you're caught up in the the frothy turmoil of day to day, you don't get that long view. Uh, so you need to be able to step back and like do things that you like to do and just clear your head. Uh, it's it's super important. Um, and that's yeah, definitely something that it's a struggle to to allow yourself that. But you you got to oh, make great, sure you good do. to hear. Hey, do you need an error free website? Do you need transcriptions that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. All right, now it's the rapid fire round. We're just wrapping up now. It's almost been an hour. If you can hardly believe it's been flying by really quickly. So we'll try to answer these That's really fine. quick questions here. So, all right, Brent, what did the 15 year old self think you'd be doing right now? <laughs> it is very funny you say that because I often tell people like my path of like, I was going to be a teacher, a psychologist, a physiotherapist, and now I sell weed. And I'm like, high school Brent would be so proud. <laughs> high school Brent. <laughs> never ever thought i'd be doing this at 15 um i was probably starting to think that i would be a teacher uh or an author i, I do like writing and maybe someday I'll, I'll be in a position where i can just dedicate myself to that um but yeah i probably would have been like an electrician a teacher or or, or a writer and uh not not a not a legal right. seller excellent how about the sandwich if, i don't know if you heard about some episodes what would you what would you have on your sandwich and what would it be called who Okay, well, I'm vegetarian. I have been for uh, seven years now. Um, so let's see. This is a real mm -hmm. sandwich we're making, right? Okay, okay. I'm going to start with uh, maybe like a nice lightly toasted sourdough. Um, I'm going to have some 
goat cheese, some roasted red peppers, maybe a marinated and grilled portobello mushroom, a uh, little bit of onion, and then a sweet with a little bit of heat, kind of like a, a smoky barbecue sauce. And I'll make it sort of like a burger What sandwich. would it be called? And I'm going to call that, ooh. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> thought of this. Hmm. The... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do a play on on portobello for the mushroom and portable. So the portable sandwich. That's Put it cool. on a shirt. Um, Put it on the portable sandwich. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I do have, I can just quickly, uh, a friend of mine had a pizza shop across the road from me uh, called Pizza Bodega. Fantastic pizza. I'm very sad he closed down. But he made a dill pickle pizza that I thought was great. And one time I asked him, he had these candied jalapenos. And I'm like, hey, man, can you add those on there with a little, add that little bit of sweetness? And it was so good, he called it the Big Brent. So I, I do wow, a pizza name after very me. nice, very nice. All right, what is the weirdest <laughs> gift you've ever received? Hmm. <laughs> uh, weirdest gift. So, yeah, okay, I do have that. Uh, on my birthday this past year, my friend uh, Shelby, shout out Shelby Moore, um, <laughs> she bought me a, a bag of dicks, and it was literally a, uh, a burlap bag full of little dicks. Um, they, she thought that was hilarious. Uh, my plan is, I don't, I shouldn't reveal this, but I'm just going to slowly sneak those. I've done it with two of them, but I have a bag of dicks, so I'll go to people's houses, and I'll just, like, <laughs> stick one in, in a plant in their house and see if they find it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Definitely the weirdest dick. Gift. Weirdest gift. I mean, <laughs> I had a weird gift scenario, but it wasn't like that. It's that I was at my aunt and uncle in law's <laughs> house. My wife and I were just getting ready to get married. Mm -hmm. I just happened to, uh, I was speaking to one of my 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 wife's sister because they got married the year before, and they said, "Oh, we got this gift." I said, "What is it?" It was a parrot wine holder. Now, they didn't really. It wasn't the prettiest thing, right? So they're like, mm -hmm. they were appreciative of the gift, but at the same time, it's like. It, you know, and I remember at, at the same nice. aunt and uncle in law's house, we were just happening to scroll in the basement. I just happened to see it. I saw it happen to look something in a bag, and it was a monkey wine holder. And they were getting, and this, <laughs> our wedding was coming up. Something, and you know, you ever catch your parents or anyone kind of like you see the gift that you're going to be getting ahead of time by accident? It wasn't intentional. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay. So then I told my wife, Mrs. K, I'm like, I think we're going to get a monkey wine holder. And then by the time we got married, <laughs> they ended up giving us like $250, right? But at the same oh. time, though, Brent, you were kind of, you were mm -hmm. happy but disappointed at the same time because you're appreciative of the 250 Because you're mentally prepared. prepared. Monkey. Yeah. And we didn't get the monkey. Yeah. You know? I, <laughs> yeah. That is a yeah. bit disappointing. I, Next I question agree. here. Yeah. <laughs> would you rather hunt and kill your own food or eat Taco Bell for a year? Oh, now you've asked a vegetarian. This I was going to say so, I didn't know you're vegetarian, um, and I had I have I think I yeah. if it was me, I would probably either if we had to, if I had to hunt and kill my own thing, I'd be a vegetarian, to be honest. Yeah, that's yeah. If I can hunt and uh, hunt and kill my own like mushrooms, tomatoes and yeah. peppers and, and and root vegetables and mushrooms, I'll do that because um, that's a hard one. Like, no offense to Taco Bell, but you're actually making me strongly reconsider just eating vegetables that I might have to <laughs> hunt and kill my own meat rather than eat eat the Taco Bell. But I guess if those are my only options and I can't hunt the veggies, I'd have to go to Taco Bell. And and do they even have veggie options? Tortilla chips. I don't. Guacamole. I guess yeah. Some chips. You can have meatless cheese. stuff, yeah. right? right? But whether that's but it's probably yeah, very it... processed, so probably not so much. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know how you'd survive on a year of talking. Yeah, about it would be well. very tough. I, I don't know if I could do it. Like I can't 
consciously stare at an animal that I'm about to take its life just for so I can eat. I'm like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I cannot do it. I'm like, I'll just hunt and stuff myself. I, I, I'll just be a vegetarian. I can't do it. Um, that That's how I came, yeah, of course. I just, uh, how I came to this. I, I, I'd gone back and forth and, you know, from, from an ecological and ethical standpoint, um, vegetarianism has always kind of appealed to me, but the, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, was while I was traveling in Vietnam, we would, we were sitting on our little balcony having a coffee in the morning. We were in Sapa in the north of Vietnam. And every morning they would bring in pigs to the place across the road and slaughter them oh like there. God. You'd hear like, and I was like, I can't, if I can't even watch that, how can I participate in, in yeah, eating I mean, it? I'm like, you know what? Yeah. yeah I used out. to have a pet pig in the Philippines, which I did not. And I was there for vacation. Ah. And I remember feeding this kid like frutella, mm-hmm. this, this, sorry, this pig. And, uh, you know, I was there for a couple of yeah. weeks. And then I found out from my parents later that after we left, I think within a couple of weeks after we left, they, they cooked it. I was like, Oh no. So yeah, sad. it's like I don't know if I can do it, right? <laughs> that yeah. was my friend. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Last question here. <laughs> what is your theme song and why? So that song hits, you're walking down the street, that song hits, people know Brent's coming. <laughs> oh, I don't know if they know it's coming for Pink Floyd by, by Post Malone. Um I don't know if that's a good theme song, I guess if you listen to lyrical content. Uh, I mean, we all want to be rock stars. Um hmm. Ah. I'll go with that. I'll go with Rockstar by by nice. Nice. Good track. So any other yeah. advice you want to say to the aspiring entrepreneur, whether it's going to be in your industry or anything else? Come into it um, with more than just a business uh, attitude or mindset. Um, uh, something that we we studied um, at Madison Wheel is called social entrepreneurship, and it's entrepreneurship with a social mindset. So get into whatever the industry, whatever field it is, but have a place in your heart and your mind for like, what are you going to do with this business that is a benefit to the society or in the people around you? And if you have that, that will steer you in the right direction, uh, both from like an internal, like moral and ethically, you'll feel good, but it'll help your business, I think, ultimately be more successful because you're not just in it to extract dollars from the people that come in the door. You're looking to to have a circulation of money where it comes in and now you can do something good with it. So come in with that mindset. And I think if more people did that, more businesses did that, one, our society would be better. And I think you'll be a happier business owner. If that's oh, that's great. Good advice. And last final plug, where can people reach you? So uh, you can uh, look us up on Instagram at uh, Lush Cannabis Co. Or there's lushcannabisco.ptbo for the Peterborough location or lushcannabisco.cavan for the Cavan location. Um, you can shoot me an email directly at, at brent at lushcannabis.ca if you're so inclined. Um, otherwise, look us up online at www.lushcannabis.ca. And that's our All that's right. Our well, thanks for being on the show, Brent. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah it's a great chat. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. That's Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories Podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.